good morning, Hillside Christian Fellowship. We just hope you are having a great Sunday this Sunday. Wherever you're at, whether you're at home, whether you're in your car, at a coffee shop, maybe you're on vacation, maybe you're trying to get away from all the smoke and all of the craziness that's going on. Well, no matter where you are, we are stoked you're watching church here with us, and we're so stoked to be with you over the internet. That being said, we are continuing in our time uh, uh, in our series through the book of Acts, and we are now looking at God-sized testimonies. Last week, Pastor Matthew had a great message, our first in the series of four on the God-sized testimonies, and it was really the story and the testimony of one of Philip's converts in the city of Samaria, a man named Simon Magus, and if you read through or as you listen to that message, you're going to note some things that are very significant in that Simon did not have a part in the family of God. It was a false conversion. He becomes the father of the Gnostics. You want to hear that message. If you haven't heard it, encourage you to listen to it. If you've already listened to it, we want to encourage you to listen to it again. There's some significant lessons we can learn and we can put into practice in our daily walk as we seek to bring people to Jesus. And uh, we want to make sure that they know the Lord and make that profession of faith and then begin to grow in the Lord and become disciples of Christ. And so, all those things being said, we're in the second week of this series, God-Sized Testimonies, and we are continuing with the ministry of Philip. He's been in Samaria, and now the Spirit of God is going to move him to another place on a road uh, from Jerusalem to Gaza, and he's going to have an encounter with an Ethiopian eunuch. And... Uh, this Ethiopian is going to profess faith. So it's the Ethiopian's testimony. That would be a title, if you will. I also have a subtitle uh, for Philip, and I, I, I like to call the message, Now You See Me, Now You Don't. But uh, you'll see why I said that in, in, as we navigate through the text. We're going to begin in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. We'll read verses 4 through 8. Then we're going to jump over to verse, I believe, 25. And then we'll, we'll focus on 25 for just a moment. And then we'll look at 26 through 40 in the entirety of the rest of the chapter. And so let's say a word of prayer. And uh, we want to continue to be praying for our families that have been displaced as a result of the evacuations this week. Uh, so please be praying with us in that regard. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you and we praise you and give you thanks. Lord, for those who are unable to watch in their homes today because they've been displaced, we ask, Father, your blessings upon our church family members and community members that have been displaced as a result of the evacuations due to the fires that are here. Lord, we are like Elijah in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. We're praying for water. Water from the sky, Lord, would you bring rain in the name of Jesus? Cause rain to fall so that these fires can be brought under control and that they could be squelched. And we pray for our first responders that are working night and day, night and day, 24-hour shifts, our firemen and uh, all those who are in uh, that first responder mode. God, will you bless and bless families that are displaced. And Lord, will you, will you bless our time as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God this morning, the story of Philip and this Ethiopian, and may we learn lessons that we can put into practice in our daily living, in our daily walk with you, and uh, as Christ's ambassadors, that God, you would be glorified in our hearts and in our lives. We love you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. 
And everyone said a strong amen. Amen. Well, let's pick up in chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. This is the martyrdom of the saint Stephen. This man who was just epic. He had wisdom. He had the power of God. He had a good reputation. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was one of those seven deacons that was named out by his peers uh, in Acts chapter 6. And we, we saw his testimony and his witness, and he has now been martyred. Saul was the one who was watching over and consenting to this death. And it says, and at that time, great persecution arose against the church, And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the 12 apostles or except the apostles. And so the church was scattered due to persecution. And that's significant to recognize. God was sending the people out. It was his commission to go into all the world. And there was a a tendency for them to remain. And so persecution brought a scattering of the people. And so we see the scatter. We come to verse 4 and it says, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word of God or preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. So they were preaching the word and the word was Christ. They were preaching Christ to all people, following the Lord's command. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now you know that Jesus had been in Samaria, and now Philip later is in Samaria, and he is preaching again Christ and him crucified, and the people are heeding. They're hearing his words, and they're seeing the miracles which with the Holy Spirit was performing through him. And so, powerful. It says, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. Listen, there's power in the name of Jesus. God wants you and I, this is just a little side note, to be preaching the gospel, to be evangelizing, telling people about Jesus everywhere we go. It's undeniable. Everywhere we go, we are to be conveying the message of Christ and his crucifixion, resurrection, and his good news, the good tidings that, hey, it's good news, your sin can be forgiven in Jesus. And when we see the sick, the lame, the paralyzed, whatever may be going, that we would pray and the prayer of faith could bring healing and could bring restoration. And that power could be made manifest to the testimony of many coming to Jesus. I want to encourage you, step out in faith and pray for people to be healed. Pray for people to be restored. Pray for people to be completely made whole. And let's watch what God might do in the midst of these things, recognizing that he responds even to our faith. And so we go to verse 25. Verse 25 says this. It says, So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching uh, the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now, 
an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So they had been in Samaria. Those that had come from Jerusalem, Peter and John and likely several others, who really Philip as an evangelist saw many come to Christ in Samaria and now we have the ministry of discipleship if you will coming in behind that evangelistic people being saved now there's going to be the receiving of the spirit of God as their hands were laid upon them and the other disciples had come as a result now they're making their way back to Jerusalem rejoicing in what God has done and the spirit of God is going to speak to Philip and Philip is going to respond and go this route and so it says so he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority under Candace the queen of the Ethiopians Candace is not her name it is a title that is given in that language and she is the queen of the Ethiopians it's very possibly it was Cush in this area but nevertheless the Ethiopians who had charge of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. So this Ethiopian eunuch who is in a position of leadership, he is head of the treasury, if you will, and he has come to worship in Jerusalem. Now, many thoughts and dispositions of this foreigner who is a eunuch was he a Gentile? Was he a converted Jew? Uh, where exactly was he in this path? We don't fully know. There are many different speculations of really where he was in his faith. Was he a converted uh, person to Judaism? We don't fully know. He's somewhere on a faith journey, but one thing we know, he went to Jerusalem to worship Yahweh. Okay? And so, it says... Uh, that he had gone to worship uh, to Jerusalem to worship and was returning and sitting in his chariot he was reading Isaiah the prophet so he likely had a scroll it may have been a codex book by that time nonetheless he's reading the prophet Isaiah what you and I would understand as Isaiah chapter 53 a significant portion of scripture all scripture is significant, but this is significant in multiple ways, and I'm going to point that out in just a few moments. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? Now, this is a significant thing. First of all, Philip hears the spe specific words of the Spirit of God prompting him to run, catch the chariot, and overtake the chariot if you will or bring the chariot to a halt so that you can communicate with those that are there i think it's significant to note that he is hearing the prompting of the spirit with specifics i think in our lives you and i we also can hear the specifics of the spirit of god but we'll get to that in a moment but i also want to make note that the eunuch was reading the word of god and he was reading the word of god out loud I want you to know I believe that is a significant thing because it's an encouragement for you and I. We can read the Word of God out loud. And when we do, we hear 
with our ears the very Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We're hearing it audibly, and we're hearing it spiritually in our hearts and in our minds. And so we're using more sensory perception to receive the implanted seed in our lives. And so I am inspired by the Ethiopian as he reads the prophet Isaiah out loud. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake that chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? A significant question. When we are reading out loud, we can hear the question of Philip in our ear. Do you understand what you are reading? Oftentimes when we read God's word, we don't have understanding of what we're reading. And this is significant because God has given to the church, Jesus, the ministries of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. He has given some to be prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. We need, every one of us needs a teacher instructing us in the Word of God. And so, so thankful at Hillside, we, we have many that are capable teachers in God's Word. And so, so very thankful. And he said, how can I, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The, the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now, the word preached there is an interesting word. Uh, it, it really is the word evangelize. I won't try and pronounce it in the Greek, but it's to evangelize. He evangelized the eunuch. What it means is he shared the good news. He shared the good news. I just want you to know that we'll, we'll see this in a moment. That's a lesson we can learn from, from Philip, the evangelist, that we can share the good news to all people. Okay, and then it says, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He made public testimony. He testified with his mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. And he believed in his heart that God had raised him from the dead. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, I just want you to know, this was a submersion 
baptism. And we, we believe in a submersion baptism because that's what was practiced. They went down into the water. So if you see Rembrandt's paintings, it looks like he's sprinkling them with water. Other stained glass windows in many, many churches have him pouring a vial of water over a head. The scripture says they went down into the water. And verse 39, now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. That's the now you see me, now you don't stuff. <laughs> Philip was there, then he wasn't there. Now you see me, now you don't. Supernatural stuff happening. But it says that Philip was found in Azotus or Ashdod over on the coast, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Wow. So, a phenomenal story with an epic testimony of an Ethiopian, an unlikely, a foreigner and a eunuch. And we're going to look at some lessons, and I think we'll start with the lessons that we can learn from the eunuch, then we'll look at some lessons that we can learn from Philip, maybe some general lessons. And before we do that, just a couple of things to note beforehand. Number one, I would say, all people need Jesus. Can I get an amen? But we just gotta acknowledge that. Everybody needs Jesus. We should also note that we have Jesus. We have Jesus. So there is a responsibility for you and I. So we have to acknowledge that, number one. No matter where you are in your faith with Christ, no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, if you have faith in Jesus, you are born again, the Spirit of God lives in you, we have Jesus. And we must recognize that everyone needs Jesus. That's the first thing to note. Three things to note. People need Jesus. Number two, people are seeking. People are seeking truth. They may not recognize they're seeking Jesus, and they may recognize they're seeking Jesus, but they're seeking. And we have absolutely what they're seeking, and that's Jesus. You see, people are trying to fill a void in their life, and the void that they're trying to fill it fill is a God-shaped void, and we have God, and we want to give them Jesus so he can fill the void in their lives. Okay, so people need Jesus, people are seeking, and recognize this, people are ready to receive the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, you say three months until the harvest, but I say look at the field. They are white unto harvest. And that was when Jesus was right there at the well in Samaria and the woman had gone back and she told all the men, come and meet this man that told me my whole life. Could this be the Messiah? And the whole town came out. And I can see Jesus standing. You say over here the fields and you say three months into harvest. And then I could just see Jesus saying, but I say, look at the field. And he points to the people coming from the town. It's conjecture, but I just visually can see this. And he says, and I say, they are white unto harvest. They're ready. They're ready. They're ripe 
They're ready to receive the good news. And you and I, we get to share the good news. And so those three things, just to know from the very onset, this is the reality with which you and I live in and the conditions, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter any of the circumstances that are happening culturally, anything happening in our communities, no matter what, those three things are for sure. People need Jesus. People are seeking and people are ripe and ready to respond to the good news. Okay, so now let's look at, let's look at some lessons from the Ethiopian eunuch. The first thing I want to note is Jesus knows right where people are. Jesus knows what people are going through, and he will speak to them in the midst of their circumstances because the Spirit of God is drawing people to Jesus. So he's already working. We just get to work in cooperation. The Spirit says, hey, catch up to this uh, chariot and there's going to be someone you're going to be able to share. And from that very verse the guy was reading, he jumped off on this platform. Now here's the significant piece to recognize. Jesus is meeting people in their pain. This man spent money to go on a pilgrimage to make his way to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice, which ironically he's now reading in Isaiah and he's understanding this idea as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. This idea of a sacrifice is about to be being made. He understood that because he was already part of that. And so I think that's beautiful that God is paving the way. He just was in Jerusalem. He was just in the area of the temple. But now comes his real pain. You see, he's a foreigner. And he's a eunuch. So he went to Jerusalem from down in Africa. He made a long journey. And he made a sacrifice but he could not enter the temple. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 1 tells us about eunuchs and their inability to enter in to the temple area. And as a foreigner, he would not be able to encounter. And so he, his pain was he didn't have an encounter. And so his humiliation, in his humiliation, he's a eunuch, he can't get in, his justice was taken away. I don't have access to God. So he has a religious experience, but his religious experience doesn't connect him with God, and he is an unsatisfied pilgrim. And God is going to meet him right there and say, look, I know your pain. No one else knows your pain, but I know your pain because the very same thing. That's why he says, hey, is the prophet writing about himself or somebody else? And Philip could use that as a catapult to say, someone else, and his name is Jesus, and he knows exactly how you feel for the very same thing you experienced, he experienced and I want you to know that the things that people are going through in, in your realm of influence and in your own life, no matter what it is, Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. And he reveals this to this man. So he had in his humiliation, there was no justice. And he was a eunuch. And listen to what the scripture goes on to say. And who will declare his generation for he was cut off. This very man also had that same condition 
there would be no descendants. Who would declare his generations? Another pain of no prodigy, no, no, no children. And so, when his life was to be taken from the earth, there would be no one to carry his name forward. And so, Jesus knows our pain and he meets us there. Here's, here's the second lesson. In our weakness, Christ is made strong. Why do I say that? The eunuch, he, he was emasculated. He could have no children. It's a weakness. No one to carry his name on. But God took that man's weakness and made it a strength. He may not have physical spiritual physical children but he is going to be the father of many spiritual children history tells us going all the way back to Irenaeus the early father of the church in 180 AD the witness and testimony of this Ethiopian a man they gave that is named Simon the Bacchus or Simon the Niger also referenced in Acts chapter 16 may be the same guy but nevertheless, this man Simon, the Ethiopian eunuch, is said to have been the father of the church being birthed in Ethiopia in his home country. He goes back and he preaches the gospel. He preaches one God and his son who came in the flesh and made propitiation for sins so that all men can be saved. And he even taught what all the prophets had taught in the Old Testament. A fascinating legacy. God took his weakness in the flesh and produced something in the supernatural realm. A family was given birth because he believed and went and preached the good news in his own town. Praise God. So God can take your weakness my weakness, and do something significant if we will simply put ourselves into his hands and allow God to do that. Okay, here's another lesson we can learn from the Ethiopian. One convert, one convert can be a movement, a movement. And we see this one Ethiopian eunuch goes and multiplies, multiplies. We see Philip Early on in this text, he goes to Samaria and a multitude come to Jesus as a result. One convert can be a movement. That could be you. That could be me. That could be all of us in our realms of influence. Let's take that lesson and live that reality and share the good news of Jesus with everyone. Uh, I also would just say, um, maybe a fourth lesson, if you will. We need to redefine and help redefine people's problems. This, this individual's problem, Philip is going to help redefine that the gospel is for all people, all races, all foreigners, and his real issue was in his flesh. Right? His, his issue was, uh, I'm a foreigner and I'm a eunuch, and I can't change that. Well, 
people's circumstances, they may not be able to change. And the reality is, the correlation is, sin is the problem of mankind. It separates us from God. And we can't change that. We were born in as sinners. David tells us in the Psalms, I was conceived in sin. We, are, we have a sin nature that is transferred to us all the way back from Adam's bloodline. The condition is in us. And people, when they realize that, they'll recognize, or we pray they recognize, their need of a Savior. And so this man's problem was redefined, if you will. And so, thanks be to God, some lessons that we can take recognizing in people that there are some significant things and God can work in and through us in these lessons. Okay, let's look, come back to Philip and a couple of lessons that we can learn from Philip. And these, to me, are very, very exciting as well. So, Philip in evangelism. Philip, number one, knew the gospel. Philip knew the good news. He understood what Jesus had done. And he knew how to convey the good news. He's an evangelist. He even has the gift, likely, of evangelism. There are those five ministries of the Lord, and I just want to encourage you that you and I, we can be operating in all five, but you likely have some specific areas that you are going to be more strength, you'll have more strength in. But evangelism is something that every follower of Jesus is called to. We are Christ's ambassadors, 2 Corinthians tells us in the fifth chapter. Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal to men through you and me. He's making his appeal, and the appeal is be reconciled unto God. Be reconciled unto God. And I come back to that one, that one man could be a movement. Think about this for a moment. You ever wonder who led Billy Graham to Christ? Billy Graham, probably one of the greatest evangelists on the planet since the early disciples, since that first century. Here's a man who shared the good news of Jesus to the masses. Who led Billy Graham to Christ? Well, you may not know of a Sunday school teacher named Edward uh, Kimball. Edward Kimball, years before Billy Graham was born, led someone to the Lord by the name of D.L. Moody. Dwight Moody came to Christ in a Sunday school class by a guy who was leading a Sunday school class of kids, and D.L. Moody gave his heart to Jesus because this man presented the gospel and led Moody to Christ. Now, J. Wilbur Campbell, or Chapman, excuse me, was converted at one of D.L. Moody's evangelistic meetings years later. So Chapman comes to Christ as a result of D.L. Moody becoming an evangelist as a result of giving his heart to the Lord because of a Sunday school teacher. Then Chapman, preaching the gospel, 
Billy Sunday comes to Christ as a result of an evangelistic meeting that Chapman was having. Billy Sunday becomes an evangelist. Billy Sunday preaching the gospel. There was a man in the crowd by the name of Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham gave his heart to the Lord. And Mordecai Ham became an evangelist. And it was under Mordecai Ham that Billy Graham, as a teenager, heard the gospel, gave his heart to Jesus, and became an incredible movement. Now, every one of those men that I mentioned, you probably recognize those names. They all became movements. And I want to encourage you. You came to Christ as a result of someone sharing their faith with you. You are the movement. And let's not stop the movement. Let's keep sharing the gospel. Share the gospel with your children. Let your kids come to Christ under your roof. And let your neighbors know where you stand. Let your work associates know where you stand. Let everyone you come into contact know where you stand. Just yesterday, yesterday evening before I was coming home, I, I met with a brother in the parking lot of a Safeway just to encourage him. He's such a good brother. He shares Jesus with everybody. He's got some struggles in his life. But at the end of the day, he's sharing Jesus. We got some food. And as I was checking out at Safeway, I looked at the guy behind the cash register and said, man, I feel like I know you. This is not in my, this was in Milwaukee. I do all my shopping out here in Clackamas, in this unincorporated Clackamas area. I said, man, I know you. I said, here's a, a young black man, kind of jacked up. And I said, bro, did you play football? He says, man, I did play football. I said, where'd you play football? He says, well, I played a little bit down at U of O. He said, but I, my high school years were over at Jefferson. I said, Jefferson, what year did you graduate? He told me what year he graduated. I said, man, do you, go, do you know a guy by the name of Nick Mucci? And he goes, I do know Nick Mucci. I said, he's the FCA coordinator for Jefferson. And he goes, yeah, man, I know Nick. And I said, well, praise God. I said, do you remember, were you playing when you guys played Clackamas High School? And he says, I think maybe I was there. I said, you'd remember because we had a joint chapel service where the entire team of Clackamas and the entire team of Jefferson came together and we shared the gospel. Then at that day, we met in the, in the middle of the field and had prayer before the game and then after the game, intermingled with everybody. They all prayed together. It was powerful. And he says, man, I remember that. And I thought, come on, this is so epic. So who knows, our paths had probably crossed earlier. But I looked at him and I said, bro, are you a Jesus guy? And he goes, man, I'm a Jesus guy. <laughs> I said, well, praise the Lord. Where do you go to church? And he said to me, he says, man, I just got back from U of O and I'm now living in this area and I don't have a church. I said, well, let me tell you, I know a good church that you can hang out with. I said, check us out, Hillside. Gave him some information. I said, but hey, if we're not the cat's meow for you, there's a number of good churches in this community. We'll help you get connected. So it's just giving Jesus to people. Giving Jesus to people. No matter where you are, it's, we, 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 we start with the platform that they reveal to us. He looked like a football player, so I used that as the platform. And boom, who knew what was going to unfold? And people standing in line. As, as, we, as I was waiting at the door for one of my brothers who went back to get something, uh, people walking by, they were just like, who are you guys, man? You could tell they were in, there was interest there. And so all those things being said, then I walked out into the parking lot, and here comes a guy I recognize. And I thought, hey, man, 
How are you? And I hadn't seen him for years. He used to come to our church. His wife was part of our church. Family members in our church right now. And it was just a great encounter. Got to hear about his kids and family. And I could see a Jesus moment just working in the, in, in the midst of that. And so I thought, well, here's an opportunity that's forthcoming. And so thanks be to God. Let's be looking for those opportunities. So thinking about that and coming back to Philip. Philip knew the gospel. You and I, Do we know the gospel? Are we ready to share the gospel? Ready in season and out. Philip knew the voice of the Holy Spirit. And boy, I could talk a lot about this for a moment. I mean, I go back to Elijah just recently in in, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, hearing the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God telling him and the Lord speaking to him and giving him some direct, uh, direct instruction. In fact, I shared a little bit about it on Wednesday evening this past week. Uh, go back and listen on our Facebook Live uh, stuff. We, we have those services in the Wednesday evening home church I did from the parking lot in Burlington uh, Coat Factory on 82nd Drive. And, uh, but the beauty is I just shared a little bit out of the story of Elijah and his own sense of... Uh, discouragement and fear and all of the things God knew right where he was at. God really lifted him up out of his pit. Hey, I'm the only one. He says, no, there's about 7,000. Don't worry. You're not by yourself. Gave him some encouragement, but then gave him purpose in his life. Knowing the voice of the Spirit of God, it can transform our lives, bring hope and purpose and mission. And so uh, Philip knew the voice of the Spirit and responded. Uh, Philip knew the Word of God. Not only did he know the voice of the Spirit, but he knew the Word. He knew the prophets. He knew the book of Isaiah. He knew what Isaiah was talking about. He understood so that at any point there was a launch point for him to point to Jesus because the Scripture tells us in Psalm chapter 40 that the volume of the book is written of me. The more we know the book, the more we'll be able to use launch points to point people to Jesus. I just want to encourage you because there's a circumstance and a situation that people will be going through, just like this Ethiopian eunuch, man. He, he was humiliated. He couldn't, he couldn't get into the temple. There was no justice for him. He was going to have no kids. And he happened to be reading that portion of Scripture on that particular day when Philip, by the Spirit of God, had pointed him to be in that particular place, then gave him the instruction to go to that particular chariot and speak to him. It was probably just coincidence, right? Yeah, no. God's divine providence. And the more we know, the more opportunity for divine interventions we will have. Philip knew the Great Commission. So Philip knew the gospel, knew the voice of the Spirit, knew the Word of God, and he knew the commission of Jesus, go into all the world. And so he was following that commission. Literally, he was in Samaria, then from Samaria to the road down to Gaza. Then he was over in Azotus or Ashdod. And then from Ashdod all the way up to Caesarea along the coast, he's going to go to Jamnia. He's going to go to Joppa. He's going to go to uh, Antipatris. Patris, I don't know how to pronounce it, Antipatris, and then to Caesarea. I mean, he, every single village along the way, he's preaching Jesus, the Great Commission. And so, Philip knew obedience. He understood obedience. What God says to do, do, and there'll be great reward. So great lessons for us, lessons from Philip's life, 
lessons from the Ethiopian's life, and literally lessons that the Spirit of God has given to us in the pages of Acts chapter 8, really verses 1 through 40, about these God-sized testimonies. The eunuch said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, whose testimony is on the other side of our obedience and willingness to convey the good news of Jesus. Church, I want to pray with you today, and I'm going to pray for a spirit of boldness, and I'm going to pray for a spirit of evangelism to flood our hearts and flood our souls, that the ministry of the evangelist will be made manifest in our church so that we might see the multiplication that we see in the book of Acts happening today in our fellowship and in the church. Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, we thank you for the gospel. I pray if there's anybody listening today that they would hear the gospel and know that if we confess with our mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And listen, if you'd make that declaration today, please let us know so that we can help and give you instruction in your new walk as a part of the family of God. And so, Father, we pray that people would receive Jesus today like this Ethiopian. He, he had... A religion, and he went from a religion to a personal relationship of life-giving love from God Almighty through Jesus Christ, his son, with the Spirit of God in his heart. And he became, he became the father of many. So God, may we see that transition and transformation in our midst. And so, Lord, we pray for that. And we pray, God, for each of us that there would be a spirit of boldness, those of us who are believers, that there would be a boldness in our hearts to proclaim boldly the word of God like they did in Acts chapter 4, that they would, the spirit of God would come and fill us fresh and that the spirit of boldness would just consume us and that we would declare the good news. And I pray, God, for the ministry of evangelism to flow in every hillsider's life, that we would be evangelists. We would follow in the footsteps of Philip, and we would be conveyors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Spirit of God, come fill these earthen vessels fresh, we pray. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a hearty amen.